0: Hey, this is Sean. We had some technical problems with this one, as well as a Megastorm taking out the power in Nashville. So the audio quality for the first 25 minutes or so is not quite up to our standard, but it'll get better after that. So hope you enjoy. Thanks. Hi, welcome to the Christmas episode of Nashville CA, your double feature, double weekly podcast. Sometimes we're double weekly, and sometimes it takes us three and a half weeks to record an episode, but that's what happens when seasonal depression and holidays kick in. I am one of your co hosts, Sean, in this California part of the show. And with me, as always, is my indomitable co host, Josh. Hello.
1: Hey. Uh, of course, I am Josh in Ottawa, Canada today. Apparently, not really, but it, I, it is. I had to. I, <laughs> I
0: saw <laughs> your house in your background, but you still made me double check to like, wait, are you in Canada right now? Yeah. What? No, uh, what's the weather like there?
1: It's uh, like negative seventeen with the wind chill. That's just typical Nashville stuff, though, isn't it? Oh yeah, totally normal Nashville things. That's, uh, we've had to have all of our faucets dripping. We've got space heaters all over the house following us around, electric blankets, the whole, uh, the whole 10 yards, the whole nine yards, however many yards it is.
0: Oh, well, I mean, the whole 10 yards was the sequel.
2: Okay. Did you see that movie, Bruce Willis?
1: Is Bruce Willis in that movie? No, I've not seen it.
0: He's the hitman with Matthew Perry in the whole nine yards and Amanda Pete. I watched that movie a lot. I don't know why. It's one of the reasons I was always on cable at like a certain time of my life. I watched that thing probably like six times.
1: Nope, never seen it.
0: Oh, and um, Michael Clark Duncan, too. I miss Michael Clark Duncan. Oh, he was such a good presence. We need a new man with a bare voice to take over for his lack of screen presence that we're getting these days.
1: No, I'm just sad. Thanks. Thanks, Sean.
0: Well, you know, I am relieved that in a year or two, we can just start putting AI versions of Michael Clark Duncan back into our movies, and that's going to be awesome, right?
1: Normally, we're not a topical podcast, but but I also am worried about the uh, – or are you excited? Are you genuinely are you excited or are you worried about this? No, AI? I'm
0: fucking terrified okay. of this <laughs> okay. AI hellscape that is approaching us <laughs> way faster than we can possibly even comprehend what we're doing with it.
1: It's, we don't understand the internet yet, really. And now we have like fake people walking, they're going to be walking around any minute now. It's, yeah, yeah no,
0: this is, we are in trouble, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know who else is in trouble? Two little boys. Because this week on the episode, we are talking about uh, Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale, Christmas Story, Christmas Tale, which is um, a Finnish movie. That was my choice. And then Josh chose uh, Dial M for Santa Claus's Murder.
1: (laughs) What'd you choose? I chose Deadly Games, a.k.a. Dial Code Santa Claus, a.k.a. 3615 Pierre Noël.
0: Yes, 3615 Code Father Christmas, as that yes. translates. What a, what a great title for a movie. <laughs> so, how do you want to start this one? Which one do we go with?
1: I don't know, because, you know, do we start dark and go light? And what would that even be?
0: Well, you made me watch a dog murder on screen two weeks after I put my dog to sleep, asshole.
2: I didn't know about the dog murder.
0: Oh, that, sure.
2: That would sure. be my bad.
0: Sure. Yeah, it was your bad. Yeah. So I would say Dial Code Santa Claus is the dark one of these two.
3: Okay, that's fair. That's fair.
2: Missy Buster. Hmm. How
0: did you see this movie? When did you see I've never even heard of this thing.
1: Um... It was, it's been in like some of the marathons that Eli programmed, I think. And then the Bell Court showed it, but I did not go to that because uh, it was just a couple weeks ago and I mm-hmm. wanted to watch it at home with the ability to take notes. So I've seen part of it in a marathon and that's about it. Right on. And what did you think gone.
0: about it watching the whole thing start to finish?
2: Uh, there's a lot of montage.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I I love a montage, but the music that the montages are set to was like an AI was writing Christmas music. The oh. lyrics were so bizarre. It went it was like French lyrics that went through two sets mm-hmm. of computer translators to get to English being sung. The most weird music in this movie. Everything the, about this movie is the most weird.
1: The the song specifically about I'm gonna kill Santa Claus but also help me Father Christmas. That song?
0: Yeah. <laughs> or the one where it's like
1: Why does he have to cry to become
0: yeah. a man? Yes! <laughs> like, what is this? Like That's, that's- basically... As I watched this movie, that's basically what I was saying is just, what the fuck is this? I've never seen a set that makes Mm -hmm. less sense to me.
1: Uh, Have you seen the movie Toys with Robin Williams?
0: I think I blocked that one out of my memory. I think I saw it once at a kid's at a friend's house or something. And I don't know if I watched the whole thing. But I definitely remember being like, oh, this is not. I wanted to see like a movie about toys and this is not mm-hmm. what I wanted.
1: That's what this made me think of, like, especially the, the big. Um, I, I don't know where the big dead space with all the toys exists within this house uh, where he hides grandfather for a while. You mean the one with a,
0: a rope bridge? Yes. A room with a rope bridge that just goes over a pile of toys.
1: Yeah. It looks like something it's a combination of uh, something from toys and something from a hook. It looks like.
0: Which leads to uh, through an old refrigerator to another hidden passage. Of course. Uh, The kid makes the trap door in the floor with the net. His mom is just like, would you stop putting trap doors in the house? The house is like Swiss cheese now.
1: Although I believe I've I've been taking I've been doing my Duolingo for French. And I'm not sure that she says Swiss cheese in French. It sounded like she said Gruyere. Which is a whole different kind of cheese that does not have holes in it. And is very confusing.
0: That is confusing, because if the house were like Gruyere it would just be like soft and spreadable.
1: Mm-hmm. Which and uh, stinky. I would say the geography of this house is kind of soft and spreadable. The way we're shown it in the in the movie,
0: when it finally there's that shot. I don't know two thirds of the way through, the kid goes out on the windowsill, and mm-hmm. we get a helicopter shot. Although I, I'm pretty sure it's a model. This, this is a model shot, right?
1: It has to be. There's no way it's.
0: There's like 18 different spire towers on this house like 18 of them it's it doesn't it looks like a house that's just slowly uh what's that the winchester house where the woman just kept building and building and just kept adding rooms because she thought she was cursed to die or something that's what this feels like
1: when i'm glad that you said like two-thirds of the way through because when that happened i was like did i miss an establishing shot early on on where this is revealed that it's uh, this massive mansion that looks like a uh, a conglomeration of all of the drawings I did of medieval houses, like because it's Victorian and then like there's the parapet kind of things that look medieval, and it's just a weird ass house and it's huge. There's a museum in it apparently.
0: Yeah, that, look like... at that. <laughs> when the kid. When the kid ends up in an art museum maze? Yes. That blew my fucking mind. <laughs> and then that camera zoom, the top-down camera, which zooms back to show all of the floor scratches and everything, like all the painting on the floor is a face that the kid is running around on.
2: I don't know, man. This is... I can't say
0: if this is, like, I, I, this doesn't feel very French to me. This feels too weird for, like, French stuff I've seen. Really,
1: like, it feels very in line with something like uh, um, Delicatessen, or I guess just the other stuff, or the stuff that, um, what is it, uh, Jean-Pierre Genet and Marc Caro did.
0: Delicatessen was kind of the only one I could bring to mind that has somewhat of a similar
2: batshit <laughs> feel to everything.
0: So, you want to talk about this kid? The kid, what's his name? P- uh, oh, not Pilu. Pilu's the other kid. Yeah, that's. I just wrote the name of Kid over and over in the notes.
1: Yeah, the mom says the name a bunch in the beginning
2: and I forget what it was. What do
0: you think of his haircut?
2: Uh, there is, both of these movies feature some great mullets. This one especially, though, because
0: it's a mullet with spikes on top. Mm-hmm. Is really fascinating. It's a terrible haircut.
1: Oh, it's god-awful. And... Uh, <laughs> There's no part of it that looks good. You know what I mean? Even if you took the separate pieces, uh, it's, it's not good.
2: No. Um,
0: and then the, his outfit is hilarious. I was very uncomfortable with this movie very quickly because <laughs> we get some very like intimate, sweaty, close-up shots of this boy's body as he's putting on <laughs> all of this Rambo equipment and everything. Mm-hmm. And it it felt sensual and <laughs> icky. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I,
1: Once again, there were parts of both of these movies that I was like, I don't think that I need to be seeing this much of this child. This is not... And it's not purient in any way. It's just uh, not comfortable as a viewer.
0: Yeah, at least Rare Exports didn't like... Make a montage out of the boy's body, as this one the, does.
1: Yeah, and I get what they were going for. It's supposed to be the Rambo montage where you you see all of the glistening muscles and everything. But Commando in, as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this one, it's just this kid's scrawny arms. And then is he doing um, like a rowing machine or something at one point? And it's the. The placement of everything is very odd and yeah, uncomfortable it, to say the least.
2: <laughs> so this kid is.
0: Let's just go down the. He's a carpenter to start because he's <clears throat> modifying the house left, right, and center, and putting in trapdoors. He's a mechanic because he fixes the cars and everything. Mm-hmm. He's a computer genius because he like programs shit. And then he's also just like a camera technical wizard that's able to like make his own power glove with a TV screen in it to connect the house security cameras to it. This this kid is like
2: Superman or something.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the fact that he apparently does all this stuff. Well, I guess since the house is huge it kind of makes sense that he could have an area under construction and no one would notice it for a while. But he can create a trap door that falls just into this net, which doesn't seem great. Like, if you trap somebody in that trap door, as we see, you can get right back out, first of all.
0: It's a bad trap door. It seems like the only thing he can trap in it is his dog. Which, I'm like, kid, don't do that to your dog.
1: No, that's... That even... That might have made me sadder than the actual dog death. Because during the, the dog death scenes, at least you can see the dog still breathing.
2: Right. <laughs> which, which cracked me up.
0: Yeah, the dog did its own stunt here. And I'm like, man, I watched Home Alone 2 yesterday. And <laughs> I was worried about the pigeons in the last scene when they throw the seed all over Marv and Harry. Yeah. Because Pesci and Stern are kicking around and flailing around. And I. Chicago Society for Cruelty to Animals was on site for the filming of this and like, were you though? Because I swear I watched Joe Pesci like kick a pigeon in the face.
1: <laughs> That's just how Pesci does though.
2: You gotta expect that when you put Pesci in a room with a pigeon. Right.
0: Yeah. So does this boy sleeps in a plane, yeah? He sleeps in the cockpit of a plane? With his dog?
3: That's Do you his not?
2: bed? Do you not?
0: <laughs> I mean, I have called my bed a cockpit before. <laughs> that's getting edited out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, that's the most ribald thing you've ever said.
0: Don't make up words, it's too early in the morning. <laughs> JR is a good boy. JR wears glasses. The the dog goggles. Mm -hmm. JR is a good dog. I wish we had more time with JR in this movie, honestly. Also, as soon as I saw JR, I was like, oh, that dog's dead. Oh.
2: You knew from the jump? I just had a
0: feeling with this movie, with the Frenchness of it and the weirdness of Santa Claus and like. I just had a feeling that that dog was not long for this world
1: uh how'd you feel about the fact like we get all these gearing up scenes? There's several multiple montages of him putting on all of his accoutrements um and the the knife and the sword that he sharpens are clearly plastic as he's sharpening
0: <laughs> yeah that, that the Rambo knife especially I'm like, yeah. What? why is he sharpening a toy (laughs) and the way it's on his ankle it's on his ankle so low that it looks like it's bouncing off the ground every time his left foot hits the ground
3: Mm -hmm.
1: and it's like sticking out at a weird angle like this is uh you have to you have to dress to be the most functional if you're going to go into a combat situation and uh maybe with the exception of the throwing stars (laughs) Everything is like cumbersome and difficult to get to. You
0: ever read the zombie survival guide? Oh yeah, yeah, ages ago. Max Brooks. Yeah, he goes into depth about yeah uh, in the in the post apocalypse. You gotta have short hair so zombies can't grab onto your hair. So you're fucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no baggy clothes gotta wear tight clothes nothing that people can grab onto yeah basically what you're saying this kid has accessorized himself to the point where every time he jogs down the hallway it looks cumbersome <laughs> like bouncing around
1: uh, for all of the engineering that he's done could he not have worked the, um, the radio transmitter into that armband He has has to have like a giant mobile, like a's mobile phone looking, uh, receiver walkman thing or uh, walkie.
0: Well, everyone knows it's easy to transmit video over the air, but it's really (laughs) hard to transmit sound over the air. Everyone knows that. That's why we had AM TVs for so long before the radio ever came out. Uh, I liked when Pilu tells him that he's uh, Santa's not real. I liked that mm-hmm. his mom was like, "Well, Santa's not real to Pilu because Pilu's a piece of shit, so his <laughs> parents have to lie to him and buy him <laughs> his presents." <laughs> that's a great way. That's a great way to like to get around that. If your kid is told Santa's not real too early, mm-hmm. I thought that was a really clever way to, to fix that.
1: I might have to try that one with
2: Olivia. See how it goes over. Those kids just suck. Did you write notes to Santa Claus ever? I don't think that I did. I
0: don't feel like I did. I used to. And one year, we weren't in San Diego for Christmas. And I was very nervous that Santa wouldn't be able to figure out where I was or find me or something. Mm-hmm. And so my sister, genius that she has, sometimes shown in her life, she uh, told me to write my note and then burn it in the fireplace, and Santa would get like the the smoke signal or something. The, the like essence that. of it. I don't. Whatever. Whatever. It worked. It worked. It calmed me down. And hey, my presents were there in the morning.
1: So we have at least two ways we can contact Santa Claus.
0: <laughs> well, oh, yes, the other the other way, the other way is through a, a BBS message board seemingly where is Santa on an ATM?
1: OK, I could not figure out if they had like random Internet accessible computers in the early 80s in France
2: or if he's talking on an ATM. I don't know.
0: Because that ATM has a full keyboard. Yes. I don't know. I have no idea. But I feel like Connie would know about BBS boards and stuff. I don't know about those things. I just know they were like the first form of the internet, kind of.
1: Yeah, it was. But you had to like dial directly into them.
2: I remember that. Yeah. Well,
0: anyway, I don't know how the fuck. I don't know if Santa hacked that thing. I don't know when he, Santa slaps that girl, <laughs> Marion. <laughs> little girl Marion says she doesn't like his face, mm-hmm. and he's not the real Santa. He just slaps
1: her. <laughs> this
2: is, I'm not supposed to laugh at that, but I did.
1: Uh, I also thought it was funny the uh, the constant shit talking that the kid does to his about his grandfather. Yeah, like he's introduced. He's like, I caught this diabetic blind guy. <laughs> I'm mean, like, that's horrible. Yeah, he, he this, loves him, but this, he's, he's terrible.
2: I know, but this grandpa, um,
0: he's been playing D and D with his grandson for two years, and the kid is such a shitty DM that grandpa's still level one. Uh huh. Grandpa is a saint for putting up with this piece of shit. Because if I played D&D for two years and I still hadn't been leveled up, I would lose my mind on that Dungeon Master.
1: I love that little bit of game, too, because it's just like when the kid is not looking, the grandpa just picks up a ring, and he's like, I found the treasure! like, this kid, I feel like he was set more, uh, you know, challenging quests in front of the grandpa, where you'd
2: have to level up.
0: I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm too disappointed with our D&D campaign fizzling out, that I, I don't really, it's too, too raw of a wound for me to really go in depth about D&D here right now.
1: There's a lot of pain in this episode, a lot of uh, melancholy and, and uh, wistfulness, yeah, for times gone by. And, and
0: infinite sadness. Oh. Tonight, <laughs> tonight. My voice is fucked, by the way. There, uh, you can probably hear it. Yeah, I, think you, I was. I think I was singing something the other day and f- fucked it up. I don't know what I. I don't know what I did. I just lost my voice for a day or two.
1: You you popped something, yeah. I was in the car for hours yesterday, and uh, it went. My Apple Music went from like all of this dangle rock, like. Late like eighties, early nineties jangle rock, which I love, into jangle the- rock. Yes, um, like the stuff that's very. You close- say
0: things to me sometimes. <laughs> you say things. Uh-huh. I have no context for your world. You're not into the jangle rock scene. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck
2: that
1: is. Ah, uh,
2: maybe I'll jingle.
1: Jangle? J-A-N-G-L-E? Yes. Th- think of things where they would use a maybe like a Rickenbacker 12-string. <laughs> Am I okay. just saying more random words here? You could have just said 12-string. You, you
0: threw Rickenbacker in there just because it was a funny comedic word.
1: <laughs>
0: well, it, oh, it, okay. Twelve. I, all right, so it's, it's a 12-string acoustic guitar rock and roll.
1: No, that's the thing. The Rickenbacker
2: is an electric doll string. So
1: Mm. the whole playlist started with the Sundays because I was listening to um, their album Reading, Writing, and Arithmetic. And if you look on uh, Wikipedia for the Sundays, the categories are alt rock, dream pop, jangle pop, and indie pop.
2: There's five different Sunday bands.
1: No, no, no. That's, that's all the, the same Sundays.
0: Oh, well, they should make up their mind and choose what genre they want to be.
1: And if you, if you uh, highlight the jangle pop link, a picture of a Rickenbacker 12 string pops. <laughs> it's perfect.
0: There you go. You, you were just validated by Wikipedia.
1: Yes. Uh, I'm sure I didn't edit this to make that happen.
0: Anyway, why are you talking about Jingle Rock?
1: So, uh, I was singing along, which it's somewhere between, think of, like, The Birds and The Cure on a spectrum, okay?
2: I don't know The Birds. The movie The Birds? No, no, no. The the band. The band The Birds, with a Y. Larry Bird? Yes, The
3: Larry (laughs) Bird. The the Larry Birds.
0: All right. So are the birds more raspy singing, and then the Cure is? I mean, I know Cure, the
1: Cure. Yeah. No, there's a lot of um, that kind of deep, almost uh, monotone kind of singing. You know, not a lot of like big melodies. But then my playlist transitioned directly from that into '90s version, which would be um, like "Gin Blossoms." And then it went from that into just '90s alt rock. So last night, as I'm driving around doing Christmas shopping, I'm alternating between like um, uh, The Cure and Everclear. And I was surprised I could talk when I came home, basically, because I was very enthusiastic. You're so old
0: anymore. that you drive around to do your Christmas shopping. <laughs> That's how old you are. You still like go to nerd. the mall to do your shopping.
1: Oh, no, I avoided them all. It was too crazy.
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh.
0: Oh, so Santa stows away. Oh, does Santa spray? Oh, no. So he stows away first and kills the delivery driver. What's What? Are these? There's courier drivers driving around on Christmas Eve night at like 10 p.m. delivering presents to people. What's going on? I don't understand France. I think. I think the theme of this episode is
1: foreigners are
0: doing some crazy shit, huh?
1: (laughs) Uh, well, they're also picking up the deposit from the department store where his mom works at like midnight after they do their Christmas Eve accounting and people are just okay with
2: this.
0: Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me, but Santa uses, it looks like he just uses straight up spray paint to spray his face white. Or is it,
2: is it, um, snow in a can? Uh Uh-oh. Josh is frozen. Now I don't know if it's me or him. Hello? Holy shit, you're back. Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you, your video is frozen. Okay, yeah, we lost power. No. <laughs> Tell me about it. It's fuck. It's so cold here and this is not what I need in my life at all. Oh, dicks. Yeah. Fuck. Well.
0: Yeah. Good, good episode. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back to the show. Uh, like two weeks later. It's now January 2nd. I don't know what happened. Uh, Josh went through a full on blizzard and lost power. And then I went to Christmas and got sick, and then New Year's happened, and so now we are releasing <laughs> and finishing this Christmas episode well after Christmas, when everyone, including us, is sick of Christmas. Hi, Josh.
1: Hey, uh, but don't you think, a, a mo- talking about a movie with a bad Santa Claus, is kind of fits in the done-with-Christmas spirit?
0: No, No. because
1: I was scrolling
0: through Dial Code Santa just now Mm -hmm. to uh, refresh myself with it. And I was just like, I'm so sick of this shit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so done with Christmas.
1: Give me the rites of spring, please.
0: (laughs) But here here we are. This is sure to be a, a banger of an episode.
1: Listen, we don't start things, but we finish them.
0: So we where we left off in Dial Code Christmas is Santa fuck <laughs> this <laughs> title it's it's this is up there what's the what's the worst title this or the Borderlands A.K.A. Final
1: Prayer um I would go with Borderlands Final Prayer because they don't seem to go together at least everything about this is well like Deadly Games Deadly Games isn't a night Christmas thing no. no it's a bad title yeah, it sucks.
0: But uh, we left off. Santa was spray painting his face. Um, he attacks them in their car. Like, what? What really stuck out from you here as this attack starts going? The the, like, the one thing for me is like that that art museum set piece is preposterous. Oh yeah.
1: Um, I first of all, I love whatever he is using to do his hair, like. The fake snow? It might be snow in a can that you frost a a, a tree with, yeah. It's like flocking, and uh, it hangs on him very well, though. And I realize there's makeup people that did it in between. But I would like to believe that he actually goes, he sprays it once, and then can go through the rest of this adventure. Um, It reminds me of the... Did your wife flock yours today? Hey, flock you, buddy. Okay, it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, now I'm looking at my monitor, and there is so much white in my beard. It's sad. Oh no, going to have that's, an existential crisis right here. The best right way here. to
0: get a good podcast is to make your co-host really insecure about themselves. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but it makes me think of um the like the hair in a can stuff, the Ronco, yeah, yeah, uh, and the fact that my dad dyed his beard. Don't worry, he doesn't listen. He dyed his beard for years and swore that he didn't. And then once he was found out, he said, "Oh, your mom made me do that." <laughs> and then
0: I have is it, I have a friend, don't worry, my friends don't listen. Okay. Thanks for your support, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who is 50 and his beard is still like black, mm-hmm. like not not a it not a single hair that's a different color. And I think he's usually pretty good about dyeing it, but sometimes I, th- I he gets it wrong, and it's just, like, Ooh. too black. Yeah. And I guess, I've never said anything, but I guess one time at the bar, some guy was, like, <laughs> making fun of him for it. Like, Jesus, did you use shoe polish? Oh, no. <laughs> and my friend is very insecure about things. I didn't see him without a hat. For like the first two years that I knew him mm-hmm. because he has like a bald spot in the back and, and it's just he's an insecure man
1: poor guy as many men might be that's it's okay we all have our, yeah, our I, issues I guess yeah but I don't know it's it's
0: easy to just get over it though I find I, I got a bald spot in the back it's fine
1: I think you gotta lean into it like you just gotta accept it yeah. and Yeah. I got
0: gray in the beard and bald spot back, whatever. It Mm -hmm. doesn't. You're no less of a person. I've had a gap in my front teeth my whole life, but I never had braces and I have very straight teeth other than that. So it was an insecurity for a long time, but then I'm like, well, fuck it. I have naturally good teeth. I didn't need braces. And I
1: get to do a fun little whistle. Man, I am jealous about that. That's (laughs) kind of upset my gap closed up now
0: that's my dog my whistle for my dogs uh-huh. because it's a whistle that's very specific to me so i can i can do that for them and they can hear me out in public or whatever at dog park and, and pay attention
1: uh i don't want to talk about dogs sean because this, mo- <laughs> this movie <laughs> this movie yeah uh
0: yeah when that kid buries that dog and everything oh yeah i i believe me man <laughs> I've been going through I'm doing a lot better now, except last night uh I heard Oh fuck, what's the song? It's a Beatles song. I didn't Oh, The Long and Winding Road. Uh-huh. I heard just a snippet of that, and I, that was the only snippet of that song I knew. And I used to sing that, and so I was just like Oof. I used to sing that to the dog, and I was just like overwhelmed <laughs> with oh, like instant my God. grief when I heard that music. Because I didn't remember. That I used to sing that song to him. So, overall doing good, but every once in a while, some some memory will, like, wallop me and I'll be back in it for a minute or two.
1: That's, do these things ever, like, really go away, though? Like, there's always a piece of that that seems to hang around me, at least. Uh, is it just my melancholic nature that I'm always going to have that?
0: Um... I don't know. This is the first like I've we've had family dogs die before,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and ones that I'm like no longer sad about. I miss them, but I don't f- immediately feel that pang. But I also wasn't there with them. Mm-hmm. This is the first time I've put a dog down and been in the room. Ooh. So that'll probably. But it was really beautiful, and like I know it was the right thing. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it's just now when you need to cast me for another role where you need a person who looks like they're about to cry. Now I have like an easy memory to go back to, to cry on camera. Oh buddy. That's my goal to cry in every one of your
1: movies. (laughs) That's a good goal. I like it. I I, I need to to keep proving to you that. that
0: that I can cry on cue on camera. That just, it's probably not a healthy way to do it. <laughs> like, just take yourself to like a gnarly place in your head of ultra sadness. There's got to be like a a better way to do that as an actor, right? I guess that's Stanislavski versus yeah th- the other method.
1: I think they just do it though. Like, you either have the physical ability or you have to delve into some fucked up things in your life, and it's one it's one or two other. You know, you could put glycerin like in You like when our- the
0: kid uh, text messages 911 like he's Sidney Prescott? <laughs> 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 and, and he also faxes his friend. <laughs> he I'd, sends his friend a fax like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I love <it. laughs> like, The idea of sending an emergency fax is very funny to me for some reason because it's like
1: <laughs> sending that fax and then just being, oh man, I hope they walk by that fax machine right now. <laughs> And read it, and can do anything about it. It's it's a whole oh. it's a whole process.
0: Um, there's a full gym in the house. He locks Santa in a sauna. Um, I don't know. Pilu rides his bike over. Kid uses a plasma torch. What what else stood out for you here?
1: Um, the house going on lockdown.
0: Oh, with the the shutters yes. all dropping. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: that sequence. Like this kid has done all of this to the house. That's the thing. Like he cuts up the house. He does all this stuff. Where does he get all the materials? Where did like getting around the know how? Sean, you right now are are fiddling with. A piece of wood that you yourself have turned into an object from raw material, correct?
0: Look at that. Look at that.
1: Look at I that. That's a gnome. good gnome. I like your, I like your you. gnome.
0: Yeah, I've been carving a lot. Uh, how uh, long yeah. would it take you to
2: carve these shutters?
0: Oh, those look like they're like die cast iron shutters. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. And my question for you is this. Like, I feel like Chris Columbus must have seen this movie before making Home Alone, right?
2: Um, Why does
0: Home Alone work so much better than this? I think it, Home Alone works better than this because all this shit is too crazy. Crazy like the trap the literal trap doors and the the shutters and everything it takes it to such a preposterous level that i'm just detached from this fantasy house and this like weird little kid that lives there whereas home alone i saw myself as kevin mcallister when i was a little kid and I, i could see it and then like stringing up paint cans or right pushing like a, a tool chest down a staircase like throwing bricks <laughs> these, these are all <laughs> things that like, i'm capable of and, and i mean that's like disregarding the whole slapstick comedy side which is like what like really works in those movies but I I was trying to figure out like this, I feel like this should have been like really fun for me and like up my alley. Like this kid has like all these crazy traps and like the part where he sets up the dark crossbow trap and stuff. But none of it really pays off that great for me.
1: Um, there's something about the look of it. Like that, the dreamy sheen that there is to it Mm -hmm. that feels a little bit like hook in a bad way.
0: I, I do, I really mm. don't like that look because it reminds me of soap opera TV. Okay, and so I, I again not having grown up watching old movies, which often had that gauzier look, I, I find it, um, very detaching.
1: But for me, there's a difference between like, uh, an actual old movie. Like, you know, f- from the golden age of Hollywood, where they where everyone is glamorous and they have that look, as opposed to something from the 80s, where it's like they're using it as it it's almost like neon tubes get used now. It's like they're to provide this nostalgic sheen to it and kind of this we're in a fantasy realm of uh, of whimsy and whatnot. And it it is it's distancing. It it doesn't hold up. Have you just
0: up. watched Black Christmas Which is a movie? Watched it again, which we talked about on the show. I Mm -hmm. fucking love that movie. That movie is a little gauzy, um, but that works for me. I don't, and Mm -hmm. it's it's very hard to tell you why. I mean, that feels that feels real, whereas this one feels like an eighty glamour effect kind of. I I, Uh I understand what you're saying. Something about the naturalism versus just. A, a put on after.
1: Yes. Um, it, it it feels like this movie is trying really hard. And I think that that does not help. Uh, also, who has like, you have paint cans and some thumbtacks and maybe some, some tar or glue or whatever yeah. in your, in your basement or like in your, you know, garage or whatever. But, you don't have a room full of all of the toys that have been handed down from all of your ancestors. <laughs> like, <laughs> with a drawbridge? That's the part that feels like Hook to me. And I don't know. I'm going through a lot of Spielberg uh, stuff because I'm listening to another podcast. And that, yeah, that movie's not going to rank very high on the ultimate list.
0: I haven't watched Hook since I was a child. And I, I feel like at one point in childhood I might have said I liked it or something, but the older I got thinking about Hook or seeing still images or, God forbid, somebody show me that food fight scene from that movie, mm. it's a movie where the more I think about it, I get a little nauseous.
3: <laughs> I, I really...
0: It might be one of my least favorite things to ever exist, and I haven't seen it in like 30 years. So I don't even know what I'm remembering, but man, I hate hook.
1: Um, the only thing that I would have to recommend it is Julia Roberts with a pixie cut.
0: Okay, I'm I'm I was strongly anti Julia Roberts as a kid strongly. So strongly that uh, in 1995 Braveheart I think it was 90... No, it might have been later. No, it it was later. Braveheart came out in theater in 95, but I think it was later. Anyway, uh, that was coming out on DVD, and I I really wanted it. So my sister... (laughs) Went to the warehouse and bought me a DVD of Aaron Brockovich and with a gift receipt attached for me to oh. return it for Braveheart. So on my birthday, I opened this DVD and it's fucking Julia Roberts' as Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> That's, uh. I've seen Runaway to... Bride like three times. Okay. Um. That movie, I've seen. there's a joke in that movie where Joan Cusack's husband's last name is Fleming and he hosts a radio show and it's called Wake Up With Flem and Richard <laughs> Gere does a spit take on it. And I'm like, that's not a spit take joke. Come on. Come on.
1: It's a decent joke, though. I like it. It's not um- bad,
0: but it's not a spit take. You know what I like in this movie is when... The kid pops out from underground like Owen Wilson in that Gene Hackman movie and launches a flaming dart. <laughs> Do you know that one? Behind Enemy the, Lines. Behind
1: Enemy Lines, yeah.
0: That movie, I remember it being kind of good.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's one of those, uh, I don't know if it would critically hold up, but I remember enjoying it. I saw it in theaters and it was
0: fun. And there's a cool... Eastern European sniper who wears a track suit. And Okay. And then Owen Wilson bur- buries himself in a snowdrift. And that's his like sneaky attack. It's pretty cool. Um, um, do you know so where the word grenade comes from? They took it from? from this
1: movie. Where the word what? grenade?
0: Yeah, do you know where uh, grenade comes from?
1: I'm gonna guess pomegranate.
0: Hey! good guess comes from the old french granate in the phrase pomme granate, granate
2: so because there's like lots of little pieces yeah or it resembles
0: yeah. a pomegranate somehow yeah. well probably not the american style cuz i believe the american style introduced the the pineapple looking grenade yeah. that has like little sections of it, I think grenades previous to that were typically just ball grenades with shrapnel inside them, similar to that of a pomegranate.
1: So on the list of things that I'm never going to encounter but still horrify me, uh, grenades are way up there. I've been thinking about this recently. Grenades and helicopters are both very upsetting to me uh, at some kind of level.
0: All right. I walk into your house right now and say, close mm-hmm. your eyes, hold out your hand. And then I put a grenade in your hand and pull the pin.
1: What do you do? Oh, I don't like that at all. <laughs> I don't appreciate any of this. <laughs> the nice thing is, no, I do know play the game. What do you do? Okay. No, no, I am. The thing that I know. So I don't think I've told the story before. I have been uh, I was held at gunpoint one time. When I was a cab driver. And uh, when the guy pulled the gun out, I could see that there was no clip in it. Like he had a bag full of shit in, in the car and he was trying to sell me different items out of it. It was he was high on something um, and not something fun. Uh, but when he pulled the gun out, I could see there was no clip. So the thought that went through my head was there's only there can be one bullet. If there's one bullet, he can't shoot me a lot. Like, this was my thought. Um, so I stepped on the gas and took off. Um, and he didn't fire. So the same kind of thing goes through my brain with a grenade. A guy can throw a grenade, and, and it's a, a far enough away. Now, I can't throw super well. So, you know, like, oh, no, your you shoulder. see me throw, and, I, and I've got the shoulder, so... Oh, no. So, I'm guessing I might go to the second floor of the house and, like, toss it away from the house. Uh, and Because the blast radius for a grenade is not that large. So, this is what I'm thinking I'd have to do. It can't blow me up a whole lot if I get it far enough away from me. That's kind of my thought. Um, not, I might that's cry. That's not then. a
0: great plan, to g- throw a grenade out of your second story window. <laughs> I <laughs> thought you would come up with something a little better than that.
1: What, what am I going to do, take the pin back and put it in?
0: Like, Well, what if you got a roll of tape and had a very scary <laughs> moment as you taped the, the handle of the grenade around and then finally uh-huh. let go? No, I'd probably just walk up. I, there's, there's a creek a few blocks from me and just walk over there mm-hmm. throw it in the creek and then get over the edge of the hill.
2: Yeah. Um,
3: That's
0: a fun game to play I, with someone. What would you do if I gave you a grenade?
3: <laughs> <laughs> we should
1: ask our guests that.
3: Okay,
1: now picture this. Really go here with me. Mm,
0: there's a dead grenade in this movie. Um, what'd you think about the train part where he puts the grenade on the train, sends it at Santa, Santa sends it back at him. And apparently <laughs> the best hiding place for grandpa is inside of
1: a suit of armor. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going to hide someplace, you would think inside of the suit is better than outside of the suit, right? Uh, he's, he's protected, but he's also protected yeah. from insulin needles in case
0: they <laughs> need to give him his shot.
1: The diabetic old man who can't play D&D. That's...
0: Well, he's, he's still a level one bitch.
1: Yep. Uh, no, that whole, the sending the grenade back and forth uh, was like the fakiest use of trying to amp up the tension. Uh, you know, when you see scenes, sometimes like action scenes that are not actually all that a- action-y, and you're just like, I could fast forward through this and not miss a damn thing. Uh, including the tension. That's how I felt about that. That whole little sequence. It was dumb. <laughs> yeah. This is my movie, and I'm uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's dumb. Hey, I, I, I put up some duds
0: before too, man. <laughs> uh, there's a cop that gets killed in the woods, and oh, so Santa catches the kid, and he says, "I win. Now I hide and you seek." And then he, Santa runs off and hides? I'm... Who, who is this man? What's, what's this man's deal? Can, I liked well, when he was just slapping little girls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, he decides to go on a mayhem spree after contacting someone via an ATM. So I'm guessing that he's not the, the steadiest of hands.
2: Um
0: he kid he chases the kid into the forest kid shoots him uh the kid unties grandpa <laughs> grandpa falls straight on his face in the suit of armor i feel like that would <laughs> really hurt uh
1: i don't know how you get up from that situation his,
0: the brunt of the force was like hitting him in the nose of the mask i Grandpa yeah. is going to be concussed like Tua Tunga um,
2: God. There's.
1: When a movie deals out this much um, damage to somebody, and I still think this is sub Home Alone amounts of damage. Like, you know, the, the paint can in Home Alone would kill someone pretty quickly, I think.
0: Did you see the movie Better Watch Out? No. I didn't like it. But there's a kid okay. who is like a, a girl babysits this kid. And he's just like a fucking like, I don't know. It's like a home invasion movie. I'm going to spoil the movie here. I think it's a twist. So uh, you've been warned. Um, the twist is, is that basically the kid's like a incel. Who's like a 13 year old psychopath incel and so at some point he wants to like see if that would work so he like ties the girlfriend's boyfriend to a chair and throws the paint can and that's like they recreate some of the Home Alone scenes I don't know it, it should have been a okay. fun movie and I I really didn't like it at all because the kid was just like I didn't like at all how they did the character and handled things and stuff It it just felt icky to me it wasn't a fun movie. Oh, and it
2: was, so it was, that's too... it was very
0: deadly in that movie.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, so we've got a whole lot of uh, anti-recommendations going floating around. You this know guy. what
0: a funny spoof on the paint can gag would be? If somebody sets that whole trap up, and then they throw it, and the paint can just bounces off someone's head, and it's like, well, I didn't need
1: it needed to be full. Hmm. Uh, what about if it just all splashes out? Oh, like there's no lid. Just kind of gets.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just kind of gets on them. That sounds expensive from a set design standpoint. Of who wants to then clean up a bucket of paint from this
1: location? Um, there's a lot of this movie when they are when they're going through the underground section. Um. All the stuff that the kid is carrying from, like, a design standpoint. I mean, I didn't try to clock it, uh, you know, the continuity. But it had to be tough to put this movie together. Thinking about, like, cleaning up the sets and keeping everything in place. It had to be nuts.
0: Yeah. I wonder, this must have been on a soundstage somewhere. Because, like, that location with the drawbridge is Mm -hmm. it seems to just be a big soundstage room i don't know i i want to i want to commend this movie because the sets are kind of incredible even if i don't really like them like that that maze set that's amazing even if it makes no sense and doesn't really belong in this movie at all but that zoom out (laughs) where you see that like there's a giant face painted inside uh, this maze like that's an amazing piece of art, but it doesn't belong in this. And so, right, it, it's like one of those times. I kind of feel almost with this. House is a better movie than this, I think. Uh, House has a lot more technical prowess and creativity, but I think it kind of feels the same with like the set design in this. Where like it's really, really impressive. But I, I find it very hard to connect myself to it at the same time.
2: I, I can see that. It's.
1: I don't know if it's the language barrier. Is this kid a dick? Like, <laughs> he's, he's mean to his grandpa. He catches. He's, he loves the dog. He's sad when the dog gets it, but he also catches the dog in a trap early. Like, I'm not
0: crazy about
1: uh, it. He's kind of snotty to his mom.
0: And I, it's not fun to watch a protagonist who's good at everything. Because we all have <laughs> faults and flaws. And as an audience, to compare ourselves to this little kid who's like an Ubermensch or something. <laughs> the master of everything. <laughs> it just kind of makes you want to be like, well, fuck off, kid.
1: <laughs> the, uh, the mullet doesn't help. Did you ever go... No. Uh, Did you ever go to a a kid's house, like, when you were young for a sleepover? Like, the kid who had all the toys and had all the cool stuff? Yeah. And then they were also mean to their parents? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I
0: remember some kids being dicks to their parents. I'm like, oh, that wouldn't fly in my house. It's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I didn't grow up in... House for can be a dick to your parents. Now I am, but my mom just calls me an asshole, and then that's her term of endearment.
1: Oh my god, you, you wouldn't know the most cutting thing anyone ever said to me. Um, you know, all, th- all through my childhood, I was very nice and got along with my parents, and then there was a rough period in my late teens. Uh, and one time my mom told me, I love you, but I don't think I like you very much. <laughs> Well said, mom. And well said. Nothing is going to top that. Like I that's the kind of shit that makes you think about your life and the things that you're doing is when your mom says that kind of thing to you.
0: <laughs> uh grandpa's alive shoots Santa. Uh we replay the entire movie via echoey dialogue clips, which oh, I I mm-hmm. any time a movie replays itself, I find that very funny and self-indulgent sometimes i i suppose every once in a while there's a time for it like when say maybe there's like a big reveal at the end and like a saw movie or something and then it like shows all like the pieces of the puzzle leading up to that but this movie is just like it's just the entire movie replayed in dialogue it's very strange
1: uh, we're going to have some interesting things to talk about if we get to our favorites of 2022, then. Well,
0: let's keep moving, because I think we're done with this right. one. So, camera pans up Santa body, freezes on boots, movie over. Why does he have to cry to be a man? <laughs> That's, I did like that song, uh, as weird as it was. So, I will start with this one. It's two and a half for me. I I didn't like it. I didn't hate it. There was some cool stuff, and there was. But overall, I felt pretty lethargic about it.
1: Lethargic about it?
0: Interesting. I've never said that before about a movie. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I don't know if that word is appropriate, but that was. I had a lethargic response.
2: Oh my gosh,
1: why did I'm looking at this. I
0: think you rated this really uh, high on Letterbox and I was like, "Hmm. Yeah." Mm. But then you also rated my movie low and then I was like, "Hmm.
1: I don't recognize the man who made that rating." <laughs> well, this is why you need to review I, movies and not just put up a rating. Josh. <sighs> That's true.
0: I can't like your rating That's... either can only like a review.
1: So my goal for th- for this year uh is to review new watches. My goal is
0: to watch less movies.
1: <laughs> Too many <laughs> last
0: year. Too many. I got to get out of here and start living a little more.
1: <laughs> um there's nothing wrong with that. You can live through a screen. It's fine. I mean, between uh, this show yeah, no,
0: and Sunday Morning Movie Club, there's 100 movies right there. Mm-hmm. So um, my goal is to stay. I got to stay well below 300 this year. I think I was in like 330s Ooh. movies watched last year. There's a lot. Uh,
1: I, th- I think I topped 400 Oof. this year. It was, it was a lot the, between this and the, uh, your the other, other show, show where, your
0: Western show. good Lord.
1: Yeah. No, we're scaling way back, uh, and only doing like nine films total for a season. And I think there was one episode where we did like five or seven films in one episode. <laughs> so fuck. man. Yeah, it was. And, and Eli is like, they're all short. Like they're they're like seventy-eight minutes. It's not that short. It's twelve minutes shorter than a ninety minute movie. And granted, it's an hour and a half shorter than a modern movie, apparently. But uh yeah, two stars, uh, for this movie. Wow. Yeah. I the more I think about this movie, the less I enjoy it, and it makes me feel kinda greasy. Like that sheen makes me feel like like I got something on
0: me. I don't Ugh. like it. I don't think I'd watch this one again. I have too many other Christmas movies to watch to, to fit in anything that I don't like.
1: Right. And that's, you know, I've, I'm having to change it a little bit, but that's two and a half is my threshold for watch again. So it's got gotcha. to be under that.
0: Um, up next, we're going to talk about Rare Exports A Christmas Tale, which is a 2010 Finnish movie directed by uh, Yalmari Hellander. And um, this was my choice. Josh, had you ever heard of this
1: movie? Yes. Uh, and I thought that it was a different movie until you explained to me. What did you think it was? What it was. Um, I thought it was... Um, see, the problem is I don't know the title <laughs> of the other one. But it's a hyper-violent... Um, Krampus? Uh, no...
2: No, I like, the, I like Krampus. Um,
1: I don't remember the name of the other movie. But there's something else. It might be uh Norwegian or Finnish. From, Dead Snow? From the region.
0: The Nazi zombie movie?
1: No, Dead Snow. Uh, that's the same guy that did yeah, uh, Vinyl Night, I isn't it? Yeah,
0: I didn't watch. And now it's too late. I can't watch it now. Yep. Next nope, year. Next
1: year, maybe. I heard good things. Maybe.
0: I liked I liked Dead Snow back in the day. Except at one point I believe yeah. a woman has sex with a guy as he's sitting on the toilet pooping. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which that's gotta be a, a joke that's lost in translation. <laughs> Which I feel like Let's... might explain your feelings for this movie. I feel like there's something lost in translation for you with this one. <laughs> so, I heard this one. I heard about it. Uh, I used to read Bloody Disgusting. They used to have a good podcast. And around this time, 2010, 2011, uh, they, had, they had some good writers on that site that I like to check out. And it's it's mm-hmm. bad now. I look at it once every three months and it, it it's just bad now. But... Uh I was introduced to this movie and it's it's slowly become a movie that I enjoy to watch more and more and I, it's now a, it's a annual perennial viewing for me. It's on that list of kind of must watches. And I I just think it's a, a fun time and with like a surprisingly heartfelt um relationship with a father and son here um what 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 do you think watching this i didn't take notes for this one so
1: um i didn't either i was watching the movie and like even though i didn't really enjoy this movie i was fully in on it which is something Mm. like um i don't know it's I feel like with so many things, uh, you know, the the urge to like check my email or, or chat on Discord during a movie is fairly strong, uh, especially during Deadly Games or Game Over or Dialco yeah. Santa Claus or what have you. Um, that it's it's very slippery and it kept sliding off of my brain. <laughs> this That's movie. such a good way to I,
3: describe it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, this movie I was in on especially the stuff that I liked was the stuff that it opens up with um, th- with like, the the mining company and the like the entry yeah and that kind was of felt like
0: um, almost like an homage to Indiana Jones or something like that where the villains are digging somewhere they shouldn't be and mm-hmm. then that mystery of why they're pulling up sawdust of uh, like 500 meters yeah. down below and stuff. And that's always fun. Cause that's also anytime someone's like drilling and stuff like that, it, that search for mystery, it reminds me of movies like um, the abyss or, or stuff like that, which I think is always presenting mystery to the audience through science is a fun way to do things. Which, when we talk about our top of 2022, we might be discussing that also. Ooh.
1: Ooh, look at these little breadcrumbs <laughs> that are getting dropped. I like it. Um, neither one of these kids, though. Um, we, we got another yeah. mullet. Uh, and what are the kids? Pit- Pitari. Pitari. P- yeah. Petari and Yuso. Mm-hmm.
0: Yuso's the punk kid yeah. who is all badass and smoking cigarettes thinking he's tough shit.
2: And uh all, all right, you don't you, I don't know. I don't I would
1: like to hang like around Pietari. that guy. It- there's something about like him and his dad that it does not warm my heart. It does not get to the cockles.
0: Okay. This movie I tear up every time watching this movie. And I believe it's the same time every time. First of all, um the the actors are father and son in real life. I learned that this year. So I okay. think that's cool. I get this kid's weird. So I get why like <laughs> it's like hard to attach yourself to him. <laughs> um but I, I think his, like, his whole, like, hockey helmet outfit and stuff, and I, I think it's cute how, I don't know, he's just, like, a clumsy little kid. Um, but what really gets to me is, do, do they say if their mother and wife died or if she just left?
2: I don't know. I thought she had just I, left.
1: Because they, they, they don't... I thought they would exploit it if she had right. died.
0: So, I think what really hits me with this movie is that this guy is so broken-hearted, the father, that he's been blinded to his son. And he, like he can't even see his son. He can't even see that this kid's there. And he feels like the dad seems to feel completely alone. And... By the end of the movie, the kid has proven that, like, you're not alone in this. And, like, I can help you and we can we can live together. And, like, it's, I'm not just baggage for you. And maybe he, he forgot that along the way. And so, like, that moment at the very end when the kid's on the helicopter. Cool stuff, by the way. I like that helicopter sequence. I mean, it doesn't look... It looks special effects, but whatever. I don't care. It makes me happy seeing that kid swinging around. But when he gets on the... I just love when he takes charge at the end of this movie. And when he's on the radio with the helicopter pilot, who looks like Kurt Russell from um, The Thing. Mm-hmm. When he radios up, tell my dad what I did. And then he drops down to like be the sacrifice for this plan to save everyone. It's just like a fucking badass moment that also has a lot of father son stuff built into it and it that's the part that always kind of makes my heart swell and I tear up a little bit.
2: Okay. I can see that.
1: I I much like somebody might be uh look at me askance if I talk about my love for Armageddon in a very similar moment. Uh, towards the end of that movie where somebody sacrifices oh, I, themselves
0: I, I remember choking up in the theater but I was a kid because I was like 13 so I didn't I was not comfortable uh-huh. with that so I remember just trying like ch- hurting trying to like <laughs> choke it back and then like <laughs> Markle Duc- Clark Doug is like hey Harry you the man and I was
3: like no, <laughs> no! <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then Will Patton's little kid. Oh man, that oh, uh-huh. I wouldn't I, would, I uh-huh. will never hold it against anyone who gets emotional at the end of Armageddon. I think there's a lot of payoffs at the end of that okay. movie that are like clearly melodramatic heartstring pullers, like it's so manipulative, but it works.
2: The uh
1: the I don't know if it a male urge not to cry or just the the human urge not to not to put yourself in that place. Um, I frequently have to like kind of hold my breath. Uh, We were watching When Harry Met Sally last night, uh, which always gets me, Um, especially the like right now, the way that it mirrors Elizabeth and I's relationship. Like we knew each other for a long time. We were friends. We fell in and out of. Um, talking to each other, we helped each other through our other relationships, all this kind of stuff. Um, so it it hits on a different level than it used to. And towards the end of that movie, I start like... And I'm sitting here with with her who, she's also crying, but I was like, I can't be, I can't I can't cry that much. I can't let out like a sob. So it's just like welling up here and I'm holding my breath to, to not cry. No. Yeah. So
0: I'm, I'm cool with silently crying in front of people. (laughs) No. Those those, those noisy cries. Those are
1: mine. (laughs) (laughs) I I save those for me time. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um so um. I like uh, this movie it, it kind of feels uh, it's kind of like a western where it's like these guys these ranchers hunters are fucked over by you you, you can probably relate to this there's got to be movies or westerns where like the land is fucked over by some big corporation or something and then it it messes with the local cowboys or whatever so it's like you got this crew of weirdo Finnish dudes who kind of each have their own weird vibe going on, but I like it, and they're very unique, and I, all the characters separate themselves very easily in my head in this movie. And I just like the mm-hmm. absurdity of it. Like, it's It's all preposterous. They're rolling up to the mining site with rifles, and they're like we're gonna make shit happen and it's like are you guys gonna take people hostage like what what are you guys gonna right. do are you gonna are they going there like to kill people i don't know and then the fact that they they find that what turns out to be an elf and
3: torture him <laughs> to interrogate him it's <laughs> yeah. crazy this movie's just but, like
0: this movie's madness, especially by the end, and I think that's what I love about it is the preposterity of it all
2: the whole um
1: the whole sequence where they go from finding the guy to thinking they're going to dispose of his body like like with the. Uh, elk, or whatever. Oh, yeah. It is that no, they're, they they're, they're ready to butcher a man. It's. it's <laughs> yes. They're going to take him apart. And then the kid sees him and uh, the kid runs off. He's a narc. He, <laughs> he immediately runs to the cops. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is going to throw his dad under the bus. It's, you know, I don't know if they have buses in Finland, but uh, whatever the, the local equivalent would be. And. That whole part, I think maybe that's what didn't warm my heart because that like, you know, there's not a lot of movies where you're going (laughs) to chop up an old man and it it tugs on the old heartstrings.
3: They they enslave people. (laughs) And they do human trafficking. (laughs) Uh-huh. And I love it. See?
2: And I think it's sweet.
1: But, but the father and son. But didn't you see at the end? The little boy sitting on his dad's lap.
0: And they look happy as they're <laughs> rolling him in front of all their enslaved old men.
3: Oh, oh have we had more penis on the oh. show
1: before? This is a lot of penis. Um, I thought men had a lot of penis in it. I oh, mean, men yeah. have some pretty no, graphic but penis.
0: Men, men only has like one penis on screen. This is like there's dozens of penis. Peni?
1: Yes. That's true. I guess we only get Rory Kinnear's hog in, uh, uh, men, uh, different versions of him, but, um, the the two things this movie has a lot of are penises and potatoes.
0: Is there a is there a more Sean movie How, ever how did you made? feel about
1: <laughs> how did you feel about all those poor unhoused potatoes, Sean? They take oh, all the sacks I, I was like, and just leave the potatoes all over the floor. Someone needs to get me their
0: ASAP with a five pound bag of salt and a gallon of olive oil <laughs> and I'll, I'll make short work of that room.
1: I'm making breakfast potatoes for everybody, the whole crew. I might
0: just do... Oh, you, wait, you can't mash a russet. You could probably do russet mashed potatoes. Those look, those look like russets. But I, who's heard of russet mashed potatoes?
2: Wait, is, is, is a russet an Idaho potato, though? These are Finnish potatoes, Sean.
0: I, I feel don't know like what russets grow in Finland. could be grown in Finland. Okay.
2: I don't know. I don't
1: have my uh, my potato map in front of me. Uh,
0: <laughs> now I want a potato map. <laughs> oh dang! I just looked up. <laughs> finished mashed potatoes. They look good. One time, uh huh. My brother-in-law for Thanksgiving, his main job is make mashed potatoes, and he's English, and so he's like, "Oh, I I got it. I got it. I." I'm English. I know my way around potatoes. And he does. He does a great job. Mm -hmm. Except we're, the family drinks on Thanksgiving, usually starting with mimosas in the morning and it just continues all day. And so depending on the Thanksgivings, things can be a bit of a mess. And so he's like, oh, where's the salt? And my sister and there's like an empty salt grinder and so my sister hands him the, like, the rock salt, Himalayan rock salt. My mom likes that pink salt. I don't know why. It's, I'm not crazy about the pink salt. Yeah. It's chalky. You ever eat? Uh-huh. You ever thrown Chunky. a rock salt of pink salt in your mouth? Sometimes there's, like, yeah. chalky deposits, which I think are minerals that are, uh, it's bad. I don't like it. Okay. Um, so my brother-in-law opens up that thing, pours a little handful of com- full rock salts, and just chucks them in as if it were granulated salt into the pot of mashed potatoes.
3: <laughs> Listen, mm.
0: I like a salty potato. This was insane. This was like... <laughs> Pucker your lips because they're going to wither away like you just ate a bag of sunflower seed salty can't put enough cheese and sour uh-huh. cream on them, salty. I tried, believe me, I tried. I hate to see a potato go down, but
3: oh,
0: these were inedible mashed potatoes. It's the first time I've ever experienced that.
2: That uh, how far
1: gone does a potato have to be before Sean won't eat it? Apparently, we've we've found one time, out, but I didn't know there were those deaths before.
0: Impress girls because I, I'm dumb. <laughs> I just cut off a little bit of like a brown spot in a potato and I like, you gotta throw that away and I just popped uh-huh. it in my mouth raw and ate the brown spot <laughs> to
2: show why would you us. eat the brown spot Sean how'd Still that go? Single. <laughs> oh <laughs> um. <laughs> What about this um,
1: uh, stuffed animal friend that uh, Patari oh, takes around? I can't with remember him.
0: what that thing is called. Um, it looks like a dark brown sock stuffed with another sock, with a button sewn onto it, and that's like his yes. little dog. I don't know, but imagine being this kid living out in the the wilderness with your dad. And your dad is like full on checked out z- zombie mode, you know.
1: Be tough. Yeah. Yeah. You've got your your sock friend. You've got your your rebel neighbor buddy. And that's oh, about and it.
0: to to balance our discussion because we talked about it in the last one. Yeah, this kid's kind of in his undies a lot. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a little uncomfortable, especially towards the start of this. But then he goes overboard and spends like the last half or maybe even two-thirds of the movie wearing every clothing <laughs> his, item that his he His little
0: outfit's adorable, and I love how big his gun is when he has the rifle on his back and it's like as tall as he is. I, uh-huh. I just find it, I don't know, this, this kid's weird, but he's kind of adorable.
2: It's. Uh, I'll give you that. He's better than. Um, I think
0: the rules about uh, no swearing, no foul language, uh, that stuff. They don't quite. Uh
2: huh.
0: They don't quite do Wash behind the ears. Fully utilize that, but that is a fun idea. Um, and then uh, they find Santa. Interesting. This movie. <laughs> what is Santa? cuz it was that that was just his reindeer that he was riding on. Do you think the horn that they cut off? Oh yeah, they're also ebony tra- or ivory traders.
1: Uh see, I thought that was like because it's not Santa, it's um Joe Lupuki. <laughs> He's, he's like Santa Prime, right? He's he's the the err version of Santa. He is uh Yeah, the it literally means Christmas oh, goat. Oh, okay. A mule looking, goat.
0: Okay, yeah, they cut off Santa's horn. I see now. Wow, if that was just his horn. Yeah. Santa is a big motherfucker, huh?
1: Yeah, I think that was all Santa in there. That's uh the Jolopuki may also be turned into a goat man well, on that's Christmas fun. Eve.
0: My friend said one so, time he did too yeah. much acid and he was running around the woods making goat noises and it's like Rawr! and uh his friends were really worried about him and he said
3: he kinda lost his. Oh my mind. God.
2: happy new
3: year
0: yeah uh is there anything else with this movie i feel like there's not a lot to talk about i just like it a lot it's it it's nice even though yeah by the end um when they blow up santa all the elves they wrangle all the elves and then um that final were you surprised by the final montage as it starts doing the countdown days till Christmas and it shows the enslavement and brainwashing process.
2: The,
1: I was surprised by the giant um, goat Santa Claus man. And uh, I thought it was going to be the thread where (laughs) they're human trafficking. I thought that was going to be the predominant one uh, in the movie. And maybe that's what I had heard about before. I don't know. Um, but the whole section, like we didn't talk about the part where the, the evil corporation is trying to come back and they're going to sell the Santa Claus for $80,000 or something, but it's actually one of the elves uh, and they dress him up like Santa Claus. and, There's a whole, like, tense spy uh, trade-off scene that happens. uh, Oh, I love a hostage exchange. That doesn't actually go down. Uh,
0: Because I've never really figured out. Yeah. How do you do a hostage exchange? That's hard for me to say. That is ensured that both sides won't fuck the other side over. It's very tricky. It's like a philosophical conundrum. Hmm. we should watch Proof of Life I haven't seen that movie in um, forever I don't know we just did one and I actually don't really want to watch all of Proof of Life I want to watch like half of it <laughs> it's a movie I want to like fast forward through with you sitting there next uh,
3: to
0: me <laughs> and I'll just be like oh I'll show you this bit alright we can skip all the Meg Ryan <laughs> love stuff it needs a man cut that's what it needs Meg Ryan needs to get out of
3: there oh <laughs> uh, okay
0: got it
1: Uh, we could watch Bridge of Spies or The Spy Who Came in from the Cold. They both have like Bridge spy trading scenes. Like
0: a Robert
1: Redford, Brad Pitt. That's a, that's a Steven Spielberg. No, what are <laughs> spy you game? You, what are you thinking of? That's um. I remember Spy Game. Spy yeah, Game
0: yeah. sucking, and so I think it turned me off of any movie with the word spy in the title.
2: Oh, On what?
1: British spies. Out, uh, no, British spies. British spies is is a Tom Hanks and Mark Rylance um, joint. It's directed by Stevie Spiels- Spielsberg Written by the Cohens. Like it's a legit movie. Movie. Well, I would watch it. What do you want to do for next episode?
2: Okay. I don't know. Oh lordy. Yeah. We're in the middle of this one. Let's okay. get closer to the um, end and we'll figure
1: it out.
0: All right. That's about all I got. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, enslave people and, and do human
1: trafficking the, and it's it's happy. I mean we've talked about the elf dicks, but we haven't uh, all all of the 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 elves, Santa's elves or Joel Jolopuki's elves. Uh, oh, do you think that the kids? They, do you think oh, that they swap the kids the for the creepy dolls? Are That's weird.
0: Previously captured children. But then, what do they do with the girls? I had not
2: considered that
0: because it was only old man penis running around in that forest. Um,
1: I have to commend these dudes because. At the very least, it looks cold out there, and running around full wang on a on a snowy set—it's uh, that's bold. That that takes you know what also, it takes some cojones. Yeah,
0: when it's cold, let's just say none of us are quite at our best presentation. Right.
1: This is uh and like, all these men banded together. Get your family around and like Kids, to make this movie happen. I'm in this new movie Rare X <laughs> 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 uh, uh, I wonder if there's any famous cameos uh you know like in um Oh isn't it in Shaun of the Dead, like some of the zombies or other famous people. Uh, stuff like that. I wonder wonder if any of the elves are...
0: Yeah, well then then those two were then zombies in Romero's Land of the Dead. Land of the Dead.
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: I liked the... I just thought the, the, the helicopter shit at the end It was just like a cool, big spectacle thing. and Also, I just kind of want to ride on a giant burlap sack full of children.
1: (laughs) It looks fun. Those kids gotta be puking all over the place, though, right? Like, hanging out underneath that helicopter, swinging like they are, and twirling around. It seems like somebody would throw up. And then it's just a chain reaction from there. Right. Um,
2: Yeah.
0: That's, uh, like, um, what's the movie with the pukerama? Stand By Me. Yeah. My
1: dad loved that scene. I don't think that movie's very good. It, it has been many ages since I've seen that movie, and, uh... I want to say it's good. I want to, because at, like, 12, I thought it was good. I,
2: th- I three-starred it. Okay. It's
0: all right. It's... I'm not crazy about Stephen King 50's nostalgia.
2: I mean, he...
1: He loves being nostalgic about shit.
0: I know, but that whole, like, Sandlot era boys in the 1950s childhood stuff I I I don't like it very much usually
1: That's fair. That's uh you know, you you are the one who brought the sandlot to us anyway, so.
0: And I didn't like it very well. I kind of liked it. <laughs> it didn't hold up for me as well as I thought it would have. Um right. let's Let's finish this one up and move on. I, I like this movie a lot. I, I know it's weird as hell, but I think also the nostalgia of watching it every year around Christmas time. I just look forward to it. And the the stuff with the dad is sweet. Um, even if he's a evil human butcher, human trafficker. Four stars.
1: <laughs> nice. How about you? Um, I... Maybe I'll bump it up a half star to two and a half. I would uh, appreciate if you would. Uh, it did not, like I said, it did not warm my cockles. It was, um... Your cockles are notoriously difficult to warm. Oh, but when they get going, it's like a house on fire. Just... You, you could stand back and roast marshmallows on that thing once the trigger is tripped. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's. Cr-
1: <laughs> there's a lot of imagery going on here <laughs> <laughs> too much i'm not comfortable with it <laughs> too much
0: all right two and a half for you um all right so to move on are you ready to talk just about top movies releases of 2022
1: uh if we can take a quick break
0: yes we will be
1: back after this break Welcome back. This is a uh, a segment. I I don't believe we we've done a segment like this before, but I think that this calls for it. Um it's been a momentous year in movies, and I think we'd like to shout out some of our favorites from this last year, and I'm I'm interested if we have any overlap.
0: I think we'll have a few. Also I was a little surprised that I didn't love this year's releases. There's We'll see as we go, but I, okay. I thought there was a higher quantity than what I got here. Uh, I have eight movies.: Okay, yeah, that's those that's I couldn't really call things like my favorite beyond these eight that just didn't really just wasn't really feeling that many to like love them. so well, uh, what do you got 10? Um, I mean, I could do Also, our show with... is definitely we got to be close to 100 movies now. I know we had two two episodes with just one movie. But mm-hmm. I think we should do a special 100 movie recap kind of thing. Ooh, I like it. Get some guests to return. I really like this.
1: I like I like where your head's at, Sean.
0: Good. Squarely on my shoulders
1: in the clouds where it belongs all right so what's your uh, what's your first i guess least favorite well or you're just going to just going to shout out me, what you let me the make sure
0: i'm not talking up my ass here maybe i have maybe there's two more i could find okay uh, sort by your rating did i like that movie that much all right Um, number 10 good night oppie documentary about the mars rovers and it it's there's some cornball shit in this particularly there's some dialogue where they like have it spoken by angela bassett as if is she's the rover reading it's like the worst part of this documentary I thought that shit was cornball but the interviews with the people who worked on this program are so cool because these people have so much passion and you can like just like feel them really come to like look at these rovers as if they are anthropomorphic and the fact that this was a 90 day mission and then somehow this Rover kept going for 15 years. Um, I just thought it was an awesome documentary aside from some real cornball presentation that time. What's your number 10? Wow. Um, I'm going to
1: pull a, uh, a short in, because it was one of the favorite things that I watched this year and I don't know where else to put it. I don't think I can put it any higher because it is just an 11 minute short. Um, but it is a documentary slash animated reenactment of, um, a, you know, like the Tony Robbins, um, leadership camp type things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's basically the proto version of one of those, um in the 1970s and it goes through the brainwashing the physical and emotional torture that these people went through um in this very cult-like setting that develops during this um this speaking engagement basically that uh the the leaders promote and people wind up getting urinated on uh there's people in cages it's insane for like a 4 day self improvement retreat and the movie is really well put together and it's called you've never been completely honest sounds like the stanford prison experiment it's one of these things that is horrifying <laughs> to find wow. out about yeah but um, it, yeah it's about a about a uh, errant life coach so
0: Number 9, I'm going to say I say Triangle of Sadness. I saw it in theater. This one I'm curious if it's going to hold up for me outside of a theater. Also, it it definitely hit me over the head a little bit too hard with its some of the message, but at the same time what a like a raucous and wild experience to be in a room and watching with other human beings. It was to the point where like there was parts in that movie where I was like, you know, when you choose to show a movie to someone and then it's mm-hmm. like you feel uncomfortable because of content that you chose, and it's like it's awkward. <laughs> yeah, I felt that in this movie, like I was somehow responsible for <laughs> the people around me. <laughs> like. Like I started to feel that insecurity before I had to remind myself, we all willingly paid for this. <laughs> so, we're all adults status. here. We. Oh, and a caveat: I I really also liked Ruben Ostlund's other movie, um, Force Majeure. Force Majeure, yeah. 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 And um, I would like to see. He has one other movie, which I've heard is equally. That's the Square. Which I guess is equally as off-putting, but he's he's a provocative artist because I think, regardless of how you feel about his movies, you're you're gonna have a pretty strong opinion. What's your number nine?
1: Um, I'm going to go with I, I've got several like horror or horror adjacent ones that I don't want to put them all on the list because I think. I want to it to be representative, rather than the the actual films. You know what I mean? Um, kind of a, an overview of what I liked this year. Um, but I, I think I'm going to have to go with Deadstream for my number nine. Um, cool. Yeah did you did you see this one?
0: I love that movie.
1: Okay. <laughs> I
0: <laughs> Dustin, previous guest, also really is into it. Um, that movie's. Damn fun. And also, what a cool just m- movie thought experiment. How do, we d- how do we make a movie
1: with one guy in a house? One guy in a house, you have um, v- visions of what may or may not be a ghost woman um, that, you know, hops in and out. Um, it's largely streamed from different GoPros. Um and the the couple who wrote and directed it, um, the Winters, Joseph and Vanessa, also did a segment on VHS ninety nine. Which have you have you watched that? Um, I
0: did. I watch ninety five. I don't. I don't. I I have a hard time remembering the VHSs. Well,
1: ninety nine just came out this year.
0: I don't think I've no. I haven't seen ninety nine yet. I don't think.
1: Okay, um, they had my favorite segment in ninety nine. I mean. Anthology show or anthology movies like that are very hit or miss, especially the VHS ones. I feel like, but um, it was, it's a fantastic segment. And if you like dead stream, I would recommend going and watching at least the last section. Uh, I believe it's called to hell and back uh, VHS 99. It's got the same sense of humor um, and a lot of the same, you know, they've got that over the top kind of evil dead uh, evil dead two sort of, viscera and vibes to it so it's very enjoyable
0: i watch twitch streams not i don't watch like any real life streams mostly video game related but that guy just had his finger directly on the pulse of like what streamer culture is and the presentation and all that and also the the interactions with the chat i thought were genuinely funny
1: um, yeah, the uh, I love the whole uh, theme of people like continually calling him out and him like trying to spin it like that he's the good guy in the situation. Yeah.
0: My number eight is Ty West's X, the first of the X, the Maxine Trilogy, the X Trilogy. I don't know what it's called. Um, I just thought X was beautifully shot and a couple of the shots kind of have like a friday the 13th feel and Mm -hmm. good characters that were well fleshed out each character felt specific enough and individual enough to understand who they were and get a, a feel for it where they weren't just cannon fodder and um yeah overall just just really liked this one a lot and really enjoyed uh, Mick Garris does a great podcast called Postmortem. And and um, his interview with Ty West was really interesting talking about making movies back to back in New Zealand um, during COVID complete COVID lockdown. So that would, be, um, that's my number eight.
1: That's, it's going to come up later and I don't think I'm going to say anything better than you did. Um, but number eight uh if you haven't seen it i it might be too late because this should be seen on a big screen it's r r r
0: on my list and i'm a, i should have gone to theater to see it
1: um it, they re-release it a couple times and I'm kind of kicking myself that I did not go back and see it um anybody who doesn't know it is it's a a historical bromance between two men on opposite sides of the law who become uh, compatriots on the same side of the revolution, but also it has like a dance off <laughs> and uh, the, I believe uh, Ram Charan is one of the most charming individuals that you will see. Like, he has got this magnetic smile. You can absolutely understand why these two men are drawn to each other. Is he um, the f-
0: the curly headed guy or the more traditionally handsome guy?
1: I, uh, he is the curly headed man. Ah,
0: uh, yeah. The, he's kind of the heart of the movie. Yeah, I yes. Both these or guys, Ram-a-Raz. I, Ram-a-Raz, I fell yeah. in love with just the friendship is the most powerful weapon. It was basically, and <laughs> yeah. it's like. This is like the raid two in a lot of ways of like being completely over the top. The action is amazing, and like the 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 stunts and special effects are so wild and so nuts that I love all the stuff with the animals. And I love I don't. And this is a perfect example of like, hey, when we don't have to use real animals, look at all the mad shit we can do. (laughs) <laughs> if you just kind of accept it, and animal special effects have gotten a lot better in the past mm-hmm. few years, so um, we're close with it. I loved it, man. and it just that movie just like flows with love, and it was beautiful.
1: the um that whole the early sequence before the two guys meet and um uh Rao. Is the one who does the like the run through the jungle uh with the the tiger and holds the ropes that hold the tiger back. That whole sequence. Like you're watching this movie and this is the kind of thing that would normally be a third act action sequence. <laughs> and this it happens right at the top. It's this introduction. Yes. Yeah. And there's a whole song that goes along with it. Uh, and oh I just loved it so much
0: and and now for me as someone who's proclaimed I don't like musicals I was all in on all the dancing shit and like the music stuff narrating the movie Mm -hmm. so maybe now I like musicals I don't know or maybe I just like that movie particularly (laughs) I don't know Uh, you ready for seven? yeah two sevens seven watched it uh, last night from my baby boys. Mm. Um Benson and Moorhead, or as they went by this one, Moorhead and Benson, they switched it up in the title card for this one, which I thought was a sweet gesture. Um, Something in the Dirt. These guys, I just love the indie spirit that flows through them, and they're filmmakers who make movies with big ideas. And regardless of like, whether or not those then hit in the end the journey the, it's kind of like lost in some ways i think their movies have more resolution but like in the end it's 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 always just about the journey and the other thing i love about these guys is in many of their movies i feel like as their characters are going it's an examination of their relationship as filmmakers and as friends as well as the characters in the movie. I often feel like with something in the dirt and with the endless it's them examining their own creative relationship and trying to to wrestle that idea of how do you really co-direct? How do you really co-create with someone? And they're just they're just guys that I root for and I'm I'm very excited about them and um this, this was a really good movie. I liked it a lot. I look forward to rewatching it.
1: Yeah. Um, that, it's a little higher in mine. It was one of the first movies I watched this year because I um, got to do Sundance um, streaming this year. Uh, picked up some titles through that. And yeah, that's coming back for me, coming back from January 25th of this year, and it's making it on this list. So it. Oh wow, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, but for mine, number seven, and I'm cheating here because uh, I really like both the movies and they go together. It's X and Pearl. I'm putting them at collectively at number seven.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. And uh, um, I'm just a big well, tieback we X. Yeah, we talked about X. Um, what do you want to say about Pearl?
1: I think it's a really... And,
0: and does one does one sit higher for you?
1: I think... Well, I've seen X twice now. I've only seen Pearl the once. Um, X is more traditionally entertaining. Pearl has the better performance from Mia Goth uh, in it. It has... Agreed. That... Um, the whole last section of it, anytime time when she is talking about she's going to be a star and she's going to make it, Um, But especially everything from the dance audition on is I think it's just fantastic. Uh, And it's sad. Like, it's not something you would expect, you know, talking about these movies with like this tonal whiplash. It's not the kind of thing you would expect, but I think it is genuinely touching.
0: Pearl's also on my list. Uh, I'll say X is a great slasher. I saw and i i didn't know what to expect walking into pearl and in theater i didn't expect to tear up uh but mia goth's performance was incredible and there's one scene in particular where i didn't i lost just i just lost track of time and myself and i i was like just being teleported through the theater right there and uh, it it was a really stunning experience. I dropped it a half star. It was a four and a half mm-hmm. for me leaving theater and rewatching at home but um that that's also on my list. um, we are at number six, yes yep number six well, we gotta do it. We gotta put Top Gun Maverick up there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> the The biggest spectacle of the summer of the year. And, um... I... This, this movie's stacked in the second half. But, boy, I kind of struggled with it in the first half. There's some... It's just stuff where, like... He's playing Great Balls of Fire on the piano. And everyone's singing it. And I'm like, nobody knows this song. This, like what why nobody even is aware that goose played that song in 1982 so why 40 years later do y'all have nostalgia for it it, did stuff like that just annoyed me and maybe i was just being a cold-hearted old coot (laughs) i didn't like the jennifer connelly romance either i just like i don't care Get it out of here. Get this kid out of here. But holy fuck, when they are in the sky and when that shit goes down and when this movie starts going off, oh my God, it's incredible. (laughs) Like just seeing the G-forces on the actors' faces, Mm -hmm. it's, it was stunning. So, um, it's gotta go somewhere on my list. Did you like Top Gun? You saw it in X screen, did you not? Yeah, I
1: saw it twice. I saw it in IMAX and Screen X, um, and it is. This is what I mean by this year has been really strong because it's in my honorable mentions. It, it was. It's in my my bottom ten of my of my my top twenty. It's in the bottom ten. Okay. I don't know if it would hold up, but it is a crowd pleaser. Watching it in the theater, though, was such a visceral experience that uh, I don't know if, like, the small screen is going to do it justice. Um, But I recommend it to my mom, and she watched it with a bunch of her uh, friends who are all in their 60s and 70s, and they apparently ate it up like candy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Good for them. So at number six, I'm going to go Something in the Dirt um awesome and it might be the movie though that like means the most to me personally out of everything like yeah you Was get it, it a title
0: card at the end when it said this movie's dedicated <laughs> to making movies with your friends yes
1: yes yeah. it is <laughs> the the whole um the Behind the scenes, um, the partnership of Benson and Moorhead and what they've done with this time with essentially nothing—you know, there's hardly anybody else in the movie. There's hardly any other locations in these apartments, um, and the little exterior part—it's—it's it's fantastic. It's just the idea that you can make something out of nothing and have fun doing it with the people you love. Like, that that speaks to me at a very deep level.
0: Same. And I think, in the end, that's why I'm always cheering for them. And happy to see that, clearly, um, Moon Knight did not knock them off course. Yes. (laughs) I was afraid of the Marvel machine eating my baby boys. But look at what they did coming through on the other side. Uh, Number five for me is Deadstream. Oh, nice. I loved that movie. What's your five?
1: Uh, my five is Kimmy with Steven Soderbergh. Uh, paranoid thriller, his take on Rear Window um, about a uh, possibly on the spectrum tech worker who overhears something through uh, a, an Alexa-like device that leads her down the... The rabbit hole uh, and it just gets more and more paranoid and the stacks the idea of like conspiracy against her uh but also the fact that she has to go outside of her safe zone like physically and mentally to deal with this, and then her safe zone is um, impeded on by outside forces um, I think it's really it's just it's the exact kind of thing that I like. Like it's a straight ahead genre picture um, with some cleverness to it. And it's told really well, which is what Soderbergh does so many times. And it was, um, it's one of the few 2022 releases that I've seen multiple times. So it has to go up high on my list.
0: That sounds good. Yeah. It's, it's a fun one. I didn't see it. Um, Number four, Pearl. As I said before, uh, one of my favorite theater viewings in it really caught me by
1: surprise. What's your four? I I feel like this may be controversial with you, but I'm going to go with everything, everywhere, all at once at number four. Um, Fine. Even though... So, four through one have all made me cry. (laughs) Uh, As did some of the films on my... Maybe on my... um, uh, Honorable mentions. But... I think my four
0: through ones also made me cry, now looking at it.
1: Okay. Uh, Yeah, it's just... It's good. And there's... Once again, the story behind the making of it. And if you watch the movie and are favorable towards it at all, you should seek out some of the the behind-the-scenes footage or some of the interviews with the Daniels or with the actors talking about the process for putting this film together. Because even though it has gotten all of this acclaim and it was put up by a studio, it was still very scrappy and um, kind of low-budget-minded the way that they managed to put this together. And I think that that is, that's just awesome. Like these guys making something that is unique, both in its storytelling and it's, uh, you know, approach, like physically the logistical approach to putting the movie together is really impressive.
0: I'm a big Daniels fan and their previous movie, Swiss army man is one that like, I really hold close to my heart because that movie has helped me kind of figure some stuff out when going through some tough times with friends, and especially, you know, in, in mid to late 20s, as friends start to get married and move on and move out with their lives. And it just, that movie really, like, helped me, and that's amazing soundtrack. And so as such a big Daniels fan, I was always waiting for their next movie. And then I started to hear buzz and I was trying not to do anything to see anything about it beforehand. And I got to see it at my local indie theater and it was just a beautiful experience, especially leaving coming out of COVID and quarantine and everything else. I just really needed this one. And I, like, especially, um, uh, I can't think of his name. Key, the guy who came back.
1: Oh, Key that one. Yeah. His name?
0: Stuff with his character, especially, essentially, the message being that, like, kindness is strength, and just because you choose kindness doesn't mean you're not fighting, that stuff really, really resonated with me, and I needed to hear it, and, um, yeah, I, I-, I adore that movie. Number three from me, R. Nice. What's yours? uh Babylon oh, I don't really know that's the Chazelle?
1: yes, it is, and I went from absolutely cringing at the trailer and putting off going to see it for over a week. Um, I was not I didn't want to go and sit for three three hours and nine minutes, something like that uh at the theater. I just didn't want to. And uh, I walked out like converted, and I absolutely understand why it is not for everybody. But it is once again a like the movies can be magical. They can be hell to make. It takes a toll on you. It it fits in with Chazelle's other work, right? Like you pursue your passions, but they can ultimately destroy you. But maybe they're still worth pursuing.
0: Wow. Uh, yeah, I, they probably will never see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's so long and it's about like
1: old things. Well, and it didn't hurt. Um, I'm reading right now, uh, a book called Hollywood, the oral history by Janine Basinger and Sam Lawson, um, who have both done other, um, really good Hollywood history books. And they've taken, um, like hundreds of hours of lectures from all of these old stars starting in the silent era, like stars and directors and, um, lots of the creative folks, um, that were done, uh, I believe for the AFI, um, over the years. And so they've taken and they've made it into one large story. And so a lot of the stuff from Babylon is comes like ties in directly to that book, uh, historically. And then, Also, Kenneth Anger's book, Hollywood Babylon, that has all of the like disordered details and um, behind the scenes stories that, you know, probably were all fake. Uh, And then occasionally a child runs through my screen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just saw a baby fly through. (laughs) She's a big girl, too. That (laughs) baby dog.
3: All right. Uh, So
2: where
0: are we at? Number two? Number two. My number two. From 2022, sitting at a a four-and-a-half-star rating, as featured on Nashville CA, Alex Garland's Men. Ooh, nice. I saw this in theater, and it weighed on my brain for like a week, and the cinematography was incredible, the sound design was impeccable, and I, it was just, it was just like a stunning theatrical experience. And I, I, I just feel like I would see anything Alex Garland did. After missing my opportunity to see um, Annihilation in theater, uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I don't ever want to make that mistake again with this guy. So, and I loved that episode that we did um, Yes, on
1: it. That was one of my favorites. Um, men also in my bottom 10. I mean, that makes it sound bad, but it's in the top 20. Top 20. That? Yeah. yeah, it's in the top 20. Um, my oh, number two? Uh, sorry,
0: Jesse Buckley. Just had to give her a shout out. Amazing. Oh, yes. Yes, um, sorry. In- interrupt. You're number two.
1: Speaking of, she is in one that I still have yet to see from the end of the year, because it didn't actually come out here, uh, Women Talking, um, that directed by Sarah Polly, um, that looks harrowing. And I'm not sure if I'm ready for it emotionally about how bad it's going to make me feel. <laughs> but it is one that I want to watch for ultimate consideration uh, for the list. Yes. But my uh, number two...
0: There's some that I have not seen. We'll talk about those. Yeah. So. Uh, this is like kind of an incomplete list. Sorry, go ahead. Number yeah. two,
1: number two, uh, and this is I'm fighting between the two, the top two, because I think they're both brilliant movies. Um, I'm gonna go with Decision to Leave, the Park Chan Wook film.
0: On my list of need to sees, I keep checking, scanning my local theaters, and um, I'm just not, I'm not willing to drive 45 minutes to see a movie.
1: Um, I wish once again, I very rarely am happy that I missed a movie in theaters. Usually I'm like, I should have caught up with it in the theater. This one, uh, I started a movie account, uh, on that streaming service and did the free week just to be able to watch this because it wasn't streaming anyplace else. Um, if you try to get your movies alternate ways, the, um, the subtitles are absolute garbo on the the one that you might find on the dark web um so i would very much not recommend that
0: i've heard of, there's a bad subtitle one floating around yes um, um can you say without saying much about like the plot or any like can you can you say anything about it i don't really want to know anything about it but
1: it is um i mean there's murders there's love there's innovative camera techniques. Uh, And there are at least a couple absolute gut punch moments that happen in this. Sounds like a Park Chan wook movie. Yeah. It caught me out of nowhere. Like, you think you know where it is, and then, like, a big chunk of melodrama falls on your head, and it's glorious.
0: I've been meaning to rewatch the Vengeance trilogy Lady, Mr., mm-hmm. and Old Boy.
1: Yeah, this would be good to cover on the show one day. That could be a good, uh, fun. What if we did a whole
0: trilogy? Just a trilogy episode. Yeah. trilogy episode with three guests. Oh, that's so hard to uh, coordinate. (laughs) Oh my, I'm already (laughs) giving myself a headache. (laughs) Um, that was your number two. That was my number two. Okay, my number one. Obviously, everything everywhere, all at once. I saw it twice yes. in theater, and um I just love it and it's, it's 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 in my top tier of movies, so what is your number one
1: uh this is perhaps the least surprising thing that I've said, uh, but it's the
3: fabablens.
0: That I as soon as I was watching that movie trailer in theater, and I was like, oh. It's a corny movie about the love of movies.
1: Josh is gonna be all over this thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh and it's about a a family disintegrating and the really complex relationships within it. And the fact that spielberg makes his stand-in character um he's prickly he it's not um as like he doesn't sand the edges off of everything there's still a lot of pieces there that would be unflattering if you take them as one-to-one comparisons whichever one is um and there's a lot of like really tricky family dynamics that are opened up and then not brushed away you know they're not all explained It's like there are still some uncomfortable things um, with his his parents and his sisters. Um, and then going later in the movie into his like school relationships, there are some really complex things that it touches on um, and kind of shrugs. Like I, like, I don't know how to explain this. I don't have all the answers, but here's some things that, that art can do to people. Um, and once again, it has a great scene where someone says... Um you have to continue making movies, otherwise it'll uh your life your life is gonna be uh insufficient and it's gonna tear your mother apart like <laughs> it's great <laughs> but it it fits in with the very much the the thread of uh something in the dirt you just you know if you had bajillions of dollars to make it um you could also make you know a movie about. Yourself and your own history and uh, your little collective, and it would be beautiful and well done. So
0: awesome, you know. I don't really ha- outside looking in for my list, like I liked the new Scream, I liked Barbarian, I liked Prey, um, Massive Talent, the Northman, uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was surprisingly fun. Um. Mm-hmm. Glass Onion, I think Glass Onion, the more I think about it, the less I like it. I had fun with it in the theater and then I rewatched it with my sister and her husband. I was like, oh, these jokes aren't landing and now like the more I think about it, the less I like that one. Except for mm-hmm. Daniel Craig, who's amazing in it. Um what's your what's your OLI list?
1: Um so all of the whole oh, Sorry, horror smile horror too. I like smile. Okay. That was I was going to say all the horror horror-adjacent ones that you mentioned, uh, plus Smile, uh, would be on my list. Um, the Northman, I really enjoyed that, and I think that one's grown in my estimation. Um, I was frustrated with the being a
0: Hamlet story. I just wished it was not Hamlet.
1: Oh, I wish there was more mayhem in the middle. Uh, when he's like the ghost visiting the, the village or whatever. I, I,
3: section, yeah,
1: I think
0: I like that. I, like Northman was beautiful. I think it might be a case of just being too hyped or something. I don't know. I, I, I it might be mm-hmm. one where when I rewatch it and at home with the sound cranked up at night, I'll be, like, oh, what was I complaining about? Get over yourself. This movie is fucking rad. You know.
1: The and the the score, yeah, is really good. Yeah, yeah. the score is excellent. <laughs> um, but Northman and uh. The Coen's Macbeth, I believe that was from this year, um, but those those go together in my mind because of the Shakespeare connections. Um, Avatar and the Batman as my big budget, um, silly comic book kind of movies. Can we, can, those were my two favorites the Can we do a year. bottom
0: five of the year as well? Are you prepared for that? Okay.
1: Uh, I could probably put one together. I, uh, I, I really uh, need to
0: see Avatar. I will see Avatar in theater. And uh, luckily, okay. I'm glad that 2D screenings are very popular. So I will be going to see Avatar in 2D because my eyes don't work.
1: Um, the uh, Tar, the Kate Blanchett movie.
0: I need to see that as well. Even though for some reason, Kate um, Blanchett is a huge turnoff for me as far as like wanting to watch a movie.
1: It really works. In this movie, though. Okay. It's like when somebody is unlikable yeah. and the character is unlikable, it re- like. Yeah,
0: I don't, I don't works. find her like. I never find any of her characters at all. like People I want to be around.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, I need to see that and one, though. My last one, my last one would be Bob's Burgers. I love Bob's Burgers. The movie is really fun.
0: Mm. um banshees of inna would would probably when I yep. watch it, just knowing Martin McDonough and my love for his movies it it probably would have landed in the top ten. I just haven't seen it yet
1: yep, same here I think um because he did in Bruges uh seven
0: psychopaths it? and three billboards
1: so it was his brother that did. Um,
0: Cavalry and the guard. Oh, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) I didn't know there was two of them. I don't know. Yes,
1: there's two McDonough's. Ah, gotcha. And they're both tread similar ground. Yeah.
0: Bottom five for me. Um, we're going to go with the least worst and finish with the worst. Okay. Um, oh, that movie sucked. Number five, Duel. The movie with the Karen Gillan and Aaron Paul. Man, did this movie want to be a Yorgos whatever, the lobster, and Killing of a Sacred Deer. This movie really, really, really wished it was one of his movies. And it, it, I, I did not like this movie. Sam, I am. I did not like it with green eggs and ham. <laughs> you got uh, a five? Oh, man, you you want me to just go?
1: Yeah, just bust through them and I'll do the same.
0: Number four: the Batman. I am done with this shit, man I, I just i I watched like an hour and a half of it, and I was just like, I can't do this anymore I can't this is just too dumb, and Paul Dano is dumb, and this character is dumb. And I'm just sick of this shit, and I'm just ready to be wash our hands of all of this fucking shit. I, that, the Batman was my breaking point for like uh-huh. superheroes. In general, like that movie was the last straw, and I just and it was, it's not even anything about that movie in particular. It's more just my sentiment of these superhero movies, which is like good. There's fans. I just am not gonna watch them anymore. Even when people say it's really fucking good or whatever, I'll I'll watch The Boys and I feel... Even that, I'm kind of getting sick of because season three wasn't that great. I'm just done. Uh Uh-huh. Number three. Worst movie of 2022. Death on the Nile. Fuck off. This is one of the least charismatic movies I've seen in a long time. And it looks... Like fake bullshit. Number two. Jurassic World. Whatever that subtitle is. Of all the ideas they could have done. All the cool shit they could have done. They just dropped this turd out there. And Chris Pratt sucks. And it just, everything just sucked in this. And it was just a bummer. And it just like. Jurassic Park is one of the most disappointing franchises. Thinking about where mm. it started and what could have been,
1: it's one of the most meh movies I've seen this year. To me, the like, number I, one—I can't get that upset about it.
0: Yeah, the number one worst movie I saw by a landslide. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 2022. This movie made me mad (laughs) i was fuming watching this movie with the part where it's like we're gonna cancel you bro and then the dumb decisions and the fact that sally hardesty comes back for no reason and it just was fucking dumb david blue garcia you are exhibiting the behaviors of a dumb person (laughs)
1: oh that felt good thank you that felt good that's a scathing review um so i think for mine i don't love worst of lists but i think there's something educational about for for yourself to look at what you did not like or did not respond to right like I like that you just
0: let me go off on a whole list of five movies and now you're judging
1: me for it. No, no. Because I'm going to do mine now. And (laughs) for me, it would be these are the most disappointing. These are the movies that actively made me sad because I saw something else that could or should have been there. And I did not connect with it for some reason. And... In a couple cases, it might be my fault. In a couple cases, it might be the movie's fault. So, you know, take that as you will. Uh, So, number five, and this is making some people's best of lists, so I'm talking way out of turn here. But it would be 3,000 Years of longing, the uh, George Miller film.
0: Didn't see it, but I saw a lot of polarizing feelings about it.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: oh there's... man, I'm sorry, Petite Maman I thought that was this year as a 2021 I swear oh, okay. that movie came out in 2022 I liked that movie a lot It might have, here uh, Here I think it did, sorry, go on yeah. I just saw it on my list and realized I didn't want to leave it off
1: Um, But, uh, yeah, 3000 Years of Longing It's this, like time-spanning romance that doesn't really ever feel that big or romantic. Um, And I think there's some really interesting or possibly upsetting things that it's doing with um, uh, consent and power dynamics um, and enslavement that should have been addressed differently or need to be addressed, period, um, that are really not talked about in the movie. So... Um, also disappointing, probably at number four, and this is just disappointing for me because I don't think anyone expected it to be good, Studio 666 from the Foo Fighters, R.I.P.T.R. Um, it was supposed to be like a cheesy bad horror movie, it's just bad. It makes me sad that it is. I want it to be something else. I want it to be more in the Tenacious D vein, but it doesn't quite get there. Uh... Also, personally disappointing was my best friend's exorcism. I really liked the book, and uh, I like the
2: oh, uh, what's her name um, from the Bo
1: Burnham movie,
0: uh, the lead girl. Hang on, I didn't see the oh oh Elsie eighth grade yes Elsie Fisher yeah she was in the Barry also
1: yes yep uh and that one I, I felt saddened by um all right there's a couple smaller movies every movie is a miracle that it gets made i'm going to leave them out of the conversation but if you look at my letterbox you can see the ratings <laughs> that i'm not talking about um so number 2 would have been the invitation um, the vampire. You were you were upset leaving theater. Yes, from that one. Yes, I. That made me mad. Uh, <laughs> you just said. I believe you just said.
0: It's like the most predictable thing.
1: Yes. Um. Yeah, I actually wrote a review and said you should watch the other invitation, which you should. That's a great movie. The, the other invitation is a good movie. Uh. And the number one, because it is disappointing, and it's stupid, and it's bad, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022.
3: Yay!
2: Yep. We did it! We
1: did it. uh, uh, Also of note would have been the 355, but I didn't expect anything really good out of it. Um, But it could have been cool. A a female-led espionage action movie with that cast should have been really cool. And I had to write a review uh, for work for it. (laughs) And it was like the second thing I filed, and it was a negative review. So I felt really uh, extra strong towards it.
0: Why didn't you want to say anything bad about Firestarter?
1: Oh, Firestarter's just meh.
0: Well, I thought you were going to say your friend directed it or something. No, no. (laughs) No, it's... Hey, that was, that was a good year for the show. I think we, until now, I think we had a very consistent year r- release-wise and everything. Yeah. Um, it was fun. I, I look forward to doing this uh, 100 movie breakdown whenever. Yeah, we've got to do the math on that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have no idea what number we're at. Um, what do you want to talk about
1: next time? Oh, shoot. I don't know. We could go over some mist from should this we, year. Should we both watch
0: Bans- Banshees? Ooh.
1: Yeah, I think it's available.
0: Yeah. Let's watch Banshees of Inisherin and pair it
2: with... Marcel I mean... DeChal.
1: Oh... That's a that's a lot of different emotions going on. I, and I know, I think, and I haven't yeah. seen either of them. Me either. Okay. All right.
0: Hey, I'm I'm excited about that one. Benches, Anderson, like and Marcela Shell with shoes on. That's a very that's a very funny combo. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, bud. Um, I, I I know we didn't really plan to take a break, but I think I kind of needed it. But I'm ready mm-hmm. to hit the ground running and uh, keep having fun with the show have some new guests, try some new things and yeah, it'll be a fun year.
1: Cool. Sounds good. Uh, I like all the things you said.
0: Wonderful. (laughs) Well, that'll do it for another episode of Nashville CA and another year of Nashville CA. Um, Thank you as always to our listeners. We really appreciate anyone who would waste their time listening to us long-winded people go on way too many tangents about how emotional we are it's very self-indulgent and we are very appreciative of it (laughs) so on that note please be kind to yourself please be kind to the people around you and take care and we will see you in two weeks it's official bye
1: bye